everybody, and thanks for joining the first ever Off the Puck uh, interview. We're excited to have Nick Portal here from the Barry Colts. Uh, just a brief background about Nick. Um, Nick was one of the first young men I met when I moved to Toronto, and he actually lived with me during his uh, his time in the GTHL playing with the Vaughn Kings. But I'm going to let him explain all that stuff to you. We're just excited to have him on to talk about where he's come from, uh, what his plans are, and, you know, kind of what his life's been like uh, for the last four years. So, Nick, thanks very much for joining me. No, I'm really happy to be on here. Great. Anyways, so just wanted to, to start from the beginning. You know, how would you fall in love with the game of hockey, and uh, where has it taken you for the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it's just been, you know, being from Sault Ste. Marie with having the Greyhounds here and, you know, my family, both sides, my mom and my dad's side are both, uh, you know, very passionate hockey fans. So, um, you know, when I was a young age, I think I was skating at the age of like two or three. So on the outdoor rink. Um, and yeah, like, you know, I started as a dream and, you know, it's slowly becoming a reality and hopefully I can continue that. Did you come up with any other guys from the Sioux that are they're playing the OHL right now? Yeah, I, I was uh, really good buddies and teammates. Just probably my favorite teammate of all time was uh, Cole McKay. He actually was lucky enough to get drafted by the Greyhounds. So he's a hometown kid here, uh, you know, having a very good OHL career so far. And uh, Cameron Baber, I uh, played with him growing up as well. He was a great teammate, and uh, he's playing for Saginaw right now. So he was my former teammate on Saginaw. Oh, fantastic. So give, yeah. uh, you know, tell the people kind of what your, what your path to the GTHL was and kind of how you ended up in the OHL uh, and how Saginaw, how Saginaw targeted you through the draft. Yeah, so, um, you know, I play my minor hockey here in the minor Greyhounds organization. And, um, you know, I was, the Hill Academy uh, targeted me in uh, my minor Bantam season. And uh, I went down there for a tour with my family. And, uh, you know, right then and there, I kind of fell in love with it. Um, so throughout pretty much, I think the tour was in like January from then to August. You know, I wasn't really sure, was I going to go? I, you know, it was, do you want to wait a year? And, um you know, finally, I went to my parents' room one night, and I'm just like, hey, like, you know, I'm ready to do this. I want to do this. I know I'm, like, I know if I do this, it'll be for the better. And, you know, right then and there, like, they knew that, you know, if I'm saying that to them, then this is the best thing to do. So right away, we uh, we decided this that I'm going to move move down there. Um, so went down there, was lucky enough to meet you and Melissa, and, you know, be welcomed into an, an unbelievable house. Because, you know, when you move away at 14 years old, you know, it's, it's, you, you saw it easy and, you know, you guys made it very easy for me and really comfortable and, you know, it was a great experience. Um, so yeah, I played uh, two seasons for the Vaughn Kings, um, went to the Hill Academy for both of those seasons and, um, you know, it was great. I uh, had a great time at the Hill Academy and in the Vaughn Kings organization with, you know, people like the Chickalinis, um, you know, Bo Moyer, Frankie Vola, Dennis Houlihan, everyone like that. So uh, it was a great experience. Um, and then, you know, being in my minor midget season, you're not really sure where you're going to go in the draft. And, uh, you know, it went pretty good, pretty good season that year. Uh, I was able to get DTHL player of the year, which, you know, bumped me up in the draft a little bit. And then uh, to get drafted by Saginaw was, was unbelievable. Let's talk about the draft. So did you have a meeting with Saginaw? How did, how did that all transpire? Yeah, I talked to a few teams throughout the draft or throughout the, the minor midget season. Um, you know, leading up to the draft. Uh, and then right after the season, Saginaw actually asked me to go down there for a tour, which is only about three hours, three and a half hours from the Sioux here. So I said, why not go? It'd be, you know, a great experience to check it out there. 
and right then and there, I kind of fell in love with the city and, and the organization. And I knew that what they were going to do would be, would be uh, very beneficial and that they wanted to win and they wanted to get some respect in the organization's name. So I went down there. I really liked it. And I said, right then and there, I said, you know what, if Sagan wants to draft me, I'll be more than happy. And I would love to report there. Great. And, and so I, I, there's a story that I, that I tell people about when you were living at the house and when you came home and told me about a certain agent that called you and mm -hmm. I told you I'd bring this up. What, you know, can you yeah. kind of run me through what that phone call was like and who the gentleman was? Yeah, uh, it, it was after uh, a game. I was playing at Scotiabank Pond, so uh, I would have got picked up at the house, uh, like I always, always did by uh, Mr. Ciccolini and Eric. Um, and after the game, I saw a voicemail. And it said from Jupiter, Florida, which, you know, was pretty confusing for me. And uh, I, went, I went on my phone. I put in my stuff to get the voicemail. And uh, as soon as I put it up to my ear, all of a sudden it said, hey, Nick, it's Bobby Orr calling uh, just to say hello. And he kind of told me that throughout the voicemail how, you know, about um, the Orr Hockey Group. And then uh, we played a little bit of phone tag, and I finally got a hold of him again. And he uh, told me about the Orr Group and, and why I should join them and stuff like that. So. It was it was really cool, like to get a to get a voicemail from Bobby Orr and then eventually talk to him on the phone. Like that was unbelievable. Yeah, was I something still, I shared I, with you. I still remember hearing that. Yeah, I still remember hearing that uh, when you came oh, through yeah. the door, and it was a it was a pretty cool experience for me. Obviously, just seeing the smile on your face and living with a couple guys that are now, obviously Graham Clark, who's playing in the. Uh, in the OHL yeah. we're lucky enough to have we're gonna actually have Graham on tomorrow which is great but uh you know give me a brief description about your time in Saginaw and the transition from Saginaw to Barrie and and just kind of tell me how that all kind of came about yeah so you know like you said got drafted uh fourth overall by Saginaw uh, you know was a high pick going in there uh first season you know it was pretty well for a 16 year old season couldn't really complain. We weren't the greatest team. We got we lost to the Greyhounds in four games in the playoffs. Uh, went into the minor midget or went into the my second year in the OHL. Sorry, and uh, you know felt pretty good that season. Um, yeah, like Saginaw was a first class organization. The, the way they treated their players was unbelievable. Um, you know we fell short of uh, in the Western Conference Finals to Guelph. We uh, were unlucky and we blew a three one lead in the series. But you know that's just the, how hockey goes. And then. Um, yeah, this earlier season around October, I was traded to the Barry Colts. And, uh, you know, I go into Barry, you know, as soon as I got there, I talked to Warren Reichel, who was the head coach at the time. And I knew that this was going to be a very good place for me. The city was really good. Uh, you know, the team was winning. We were winning games. And it was just overall a great experience. You know, playing in Michigan, um, you don't really get the fans that you would like until around this, when the football season's over and hunting season. So to go play an Ontario team, uh, you know, an Ontario market, it was definitely different and uh, something I really enjoyed. So you've had four coaches in your OHL career going from, uh, obviously with Chris taking yeah. over in Saginaw, Ms. Chris Lazar, who's a fantastic coach, played with him, junior B, great guy. Um, then there was all, then you had Warren Reichel that unfortunately didn't work out. Now you have Todd Miller, who's been around the Barry Colts forever. You know, yes. what have those guys taught you to be, you know, become a better, a better player, a better, a better human? Yeah. Like, you know, with, with Smitty, Laz, uh, Rikes and then in Millsy now, uh, you know, they're all great coaches. They all see the game in a different way, uh, which, you know, when you see it, when you have different coaches that see the game in different ways, you know, it kind of helps you expand your game in, in different ways. Um, you know, if, if one guy likes, you know, more of a puck possession game, the other one likes more of a, you know, a put the puck in and get to work kind of game, 
you know, it, it helps you ex expand your, your toolbox and, um, you know, play an overall game. If, if you know, if, 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 for example, if Dallas wants me to play a, a skilled game, I could play a skilled game. If Dallas wants me to play a hard-nosed game, I could play a hard-nosed game. So they're all great coaches. I learned a lot off them. So what do you think you have to do to make an impact in next year in the OHL? And then more importantly, when, when you're finished in the OHL, how is your game going to affect at the pro level? Yeah, so I think that, you know, I went through a lot this year with injuries and, and, and a kind of suspension. But I think that if I just have, you know, I, I keep positive throughout this season, I think that I need to put up a little bit better numbers than I did last year. Um, and then, you know, just play hard every single night and be a leader. You know, it's my fourth year in the league now. So if I could just be a leader and, and you know, and play a key role in the team, I think that, you know, Dallas will, uh, will like that a lot. And then hopefully, if, you know, if I do move on with Dallas, then I think that my game is all based around my speed. And, you know, the NHL game is getting so fast now where I think at the next level, I don't think I'm going to be a point guy. I think I'd be more of a role player, hard on the forecheck, hard on the back check, and just someone that's really hard to play against. And just use my speed to, you know, get all over the ice and, and really uh, hound the other players. So. So you've accepted um, the fact that you may. Like. Oh, sorry, my apologies. But so you've accepted the fact yeah, that you no may be a, a role player down the line. So and you've been you were drafted fifth round to Dallas. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was proud. Really excited to see that you see you put on yeah. that jersey and hear and hear that news. But you know, obviously going to the next level is is going to be a challenge. But uh, you know, if you what do you have to work on in your game? You know, what are you going to do in the off season? Who are you going to work with to to improve some of the things you got to work on? Yeah, I think that, you know, going into next season, then eventually going hopefully into Dallas. I think that this season, it's being, it's being more confident in the offensive zone when I'm, in, when I'm in a shooting position. I think that sometimes I panic a little bit too much. So just be more calm under, under the situation with the puck there. Um, and then, yeah, like going into Dallas, I think that just always keep my feet moving because that's what they want to see with me with my speed is all over the ice. Just always keep my feet moving and be really hard to play against. So that's, just, that's kind of more just a mindset rather than a skill set. Um, but then, yeah, this summer I'll be working with, uh, you know, John Parco. Um, he's my godfather, so I'll be on the ice with him this summer. And then I have Monday nights with my dad who, uh, you know, sees the game very well. And, and he understands what, you know, whatever Dallas tells me or, or Millsy's telling me and Barry that that's what we work on on Monday nights. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, it's been working for the last few years and I really enjoy the ice time I have and I'm going to keep working on uh, what I need to get better at. Awesome. So when you were sitting in the meetings, I, I haven't asked you how many, you know, how many NHL teams did you speak with before the draft? And, you know, what did they tell you they liked about your game? More importantly, you know, what, um, you know, what, yeah, what was the feedback that you were getting from, from some of those GMs and those coaches and scouts? Yeah, it was, I think I talked to like 25 teams, like almost all of them. Uh, funny enough, I actually didn't even talk to Dallas. Uh, I didn't talk to them and they were the ones that ended up drafting me, which is pretty funny, but yeah, the interviews were definitely different. Um, some of them were, were voice or recorded. Some of them weren't. Some of them were on paper where they don't even really talk to you. You just fill out a paper for them, and then they, you know, they move on. Um, but, yeah, the feedback was that, you know, every single team, they said that they really like my speed. So pretty much that's when I kind of knew, like, that speed is where I'm going to go in hockey. If I want to go anywhere, I'm going to have to utilize my speed to my best every single night. So that was kind of their uh, their feedback. And, I kind of grew from it. Like, you know, those interviews really helped my game grow because I understood what the NHL wanted from me. And that's what kind of helped me uh, become an NHL draft pick. So you got to tell me a story, a funny story about one of the, the GM or coaches. That's you know, something funny in those interviews that you were kind of like, what's going on here? Or like a question they might've asked you that threw you off. Who, is there anybody that intimidated you in the, in the meetings? 
there was actually one uh, interview and it was uh, Buffalo. And I remember that there was two of them in the room. So it was kind of weird because you're sitting there, so you don't really know which one to make eye contact with. <laughs> and then if you're, if you're talking, if you're talking to the, the one guy, the other guy's just staring at you in the corner of your eye. So that was a little different, but yeah, there was a, there was a few hard questions. Like I remember New York Islanders was a very, very long, like multiple choice um, kind of a sheet, which was really tough. So that was, that was the most tough, but yeah, it kind of depends. Every team kind of has their own style and that's what, uh, you know, whatever works for them. Were you starstruck at all by any of the, the GMs or coaches? Like who was like, a, who was one of the guys in there when you walked in and was like, holy crap, I'm talking to so-and-so. Oof. Um, I'm trying to think now. Um, I think that there's, it was one of them was pretty funny. It was also Buffalo was that I was in the halfway through like our conversation. The guy was just one of the, one of the scouts there were asking me, he was just like, Oh, by the way, I'm actually from Sault Ste. Marie. So I was like, kind of like, Whoa, like, I, like, you know, like, and he kind of explained to me like, yeah, how he grew up in the Sioux and everything and, and how he's kind of moved away. But yeah, like it, it's kind of uh, hard on top of my head. Like I was, I did go, this was a pretty cool one. I went to the Chicago uh, Blackhawks combine. They had an individual combine about a week and a half before the draft or so. And uh, I got to meet Duncan Keith there and Jonathan Taze. Um, Patty Kane was skating. So, like, to meet those guys, that was pretty cool, like, for sure. Oh, that's great. No, listen, and no, yeah. obviously that's an experience that you're going to take with you the rest of your life and, you know, yeah. whether or not you make the NHL or not. But, but speaking of, you know, just kind of going to those combines and stuff, who's an underrated player that you may have seen in camp or you may have seen in the draft? You're like, I can't believe that guy went this round or I know that this guy in the fourth round is going to do this. Yeah, I'd probably have to say uh... – like as much as Nick Robertson, like I know he was a second, one of the first picks in the second round. Like for him to have the season he did this year, it's just like it's it's amazing. Like I think that like for him to be available, drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second round was pretty incredible. So I could see him doing a lot of damage down the line. Um, yeah, like just there's a, there's a ton of great players out there. Even like on my team with Barry Colts, uh, Matthew Hill was drafted by uh, Anaheim. And I believe the sixth or seventh round, I believe the sixth. And, you know, he's an underrated big defenseman who, you know, maintains, maintains his composure with the puck and plays a pretty simple game. So, you never – there's so many – you know, you see it every year where there's players that, you know, were drafted low and end up becoming uh, great players in the league. It's true. So, yeah, let's, let's circle back just a little bit. And, um, and again, obviously coaching the game, we've got a few people that are going to watch this and younger, younger kids, male and female, what word of advice would you give to them if, in, ho in hopes of one day maybe achieving their hockey dreams and, and just give them a little bit of guidance, you know, through your experience? Yeah, for, you know, the young, for the younger players that are, you know, still in school and, and, you know, like us OHL players, we, we know we still take you know, either high school classes, university classes, college classes. Is The one thing that, I, that my, my parents stressed to me at a young age that I always took with me was control what you can control. So, you know, if, if you have a test on Friday, you know, put school first. So, you're not, when, you know, when, the, when if you, and you have a game Thursday night, you're not worried about your test tomorrow. You know, you're already prepared. So prepare yourself. You know, like just overall limit every single distraction that you can and, you know, just have when, when hockey's ready to go, make sure that 
you were prepared that all your focus was, you know, on the task at hand, which is winning that game and playing the best you can play. And then, you know, for just hockey players in general, it's just stay positive. Um, you know, pretty much trust the process. You know, there's a lot of bumps and downs in, in the hockey game and it's a very emotional sport. So, you know, just stay positive. Don't lose your love for the game. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, everything will work out. Let's lighten it up a bit. I want to, I need a story, like a funny hockey story from like a practice or a game or something like that. You don't have to name names. Just something that's sticking with you. Maybe a bus ride, just anything that you could say, you know, just, uh, that just that kind of makes you smile. Oh, uh, one story I have, which is probably like the coolest thing I've seen in the OHL ever was, so I was playing on Saginaw. It would have been my second year of the league. This is the year where we had Owen Tippett, Ryan McLeod, Justin Murray, you know, we, we really stacked up this year to go for it. And um, it, we were playing in the Budweiser Gardens in London, and it was packed because it, London was a great team that year too. And it was, it was the, the rink was packed. It was loud all night. And I remember Hayden Davis, who was a defenseman, and Nathan Dunkley on uh, London. Uh, so Hayden Davis was on my team, and they got tied up behind the net. And Hayden Davis wouldn't let Dunk, uh, Dunkley up. So finally Dunkley got up. And while, uh, while Davis was holding him down, the crowd started booing. And then Dunkley got up and slashed Davis, and the ref called the penalty. While the fans wanted the penalty first. And I mean, the Budweiser Gardens might have booed the refs for about 15 minutes straight. <laughs> and it was so loud. I remember looking at Lenny, Tristan Lennox. He was our backup goalie at the time. I remember looking at him, and he just looked at me. He was like, oh, my and we just think like, it was like it was insane like that was something special for sure that was that was cool talk talk to me a little bit about uh, Lennox and Perfetti because those guys were are two really good hockey players I got to yep. watch them when they're in the GTHL there you played with Cole on Vaughn I believe and you also were and again obviously on Saginaw and he's now going to be he's looking at a, at a high draft pick this year you know kind of tell me a little bit about Cole but more importantly tell me about Tristan what he means to the hockey club as their you know their netminder yeah it started off um Fetz, I obviously knew him really well, played with him before. I uh, played with him in a few spring tournaments uh, and a little bit in minor hockey. And, you know, he came into Saginaw. Uh, you know, he was committed to Michigan at the time, so no one was really sure if he was going to come or not. And eventually came, um, you know, had an out, outstanding rookie year. And that's when you kind of knew, like, okay, like, it, wow, like, you know, he's, he's this guy's a good player. And he was always good growing up, but this kind of separated him. And then, you know, comes again this year where some people are doubting him if, you know, without – uh, Tippett and McLeod can he do the things he did his first year and you know and then he puts up I think 110 points for every put up uh, so another phenomenal year and he's just so uh, offensively gifted and is the, and he's honestly the smartest hockey player I know and I've ever played with um, I got to spend a lot of time with him I used to drive him his rookie year when he didn't have a car so we spent a lot of time together then and he had unbelievable billets with the Bordeaux and then going to Lenny um, you know, he came in last year as a 16 or two years ago with a 16 year old. And he was our, he was our backup goalie who played in some big games. He learned a lot from Ivan Prozertov and, you know, he's just, he's a big body who, um, you know, is, is very, very competitive. Uh, he works hard in practice and, you know, he gets pretty uh, angry when uh, you score him and stuff like that. But, you know, he obviously had a great year with Saginaw as well. And, you know, he's going to, you know, I believe he's the best O2 defense or uh, goalie in the world. Yeah, no, he was a great kid. I remember, I just remember just little conversations with him and obviously Perfetti, um, 
you know, he was a smaller guy, but he always was able to to make plays. And uh, to be honest, I was one of the guys who doubted him. I'll be I'll be first to say it. And he's a good kid, comes from good stock. You know, his dad works hard for him. Uh, but you know what? He's he's opened my eyes. He's a hell of a hockey player. And uh, you know, I'm, I hope the best for him as as I do for you. What um, you know? What do you think going forward now? I want to talk to you about this because it is going on right now about the racial and, and it's important that we talk about, it. I don't want to pass it over because it's right. Like you said, you're, you're old enough now to discuss it. You know, have you ever been involved yep. in a situation where, you know, it, it's, it's affected you or one of your teammates and how did you respond to it? And if not, you know, what, have you heard of anything around the game in that way? You know what? I've, I haven't seen anything that happened to any of my teammates or anyone that, I've kind of been close with, but you know, you, you do hear about it, uh, you know, around the hockey world, you know, you just had that recent story happen with the, with the kid that was drafted by the Hamilton Bulldogs. That's kind of going around right now. But, you know, I think it's something that, you know, just overall disgusting and unacceptable. Um, I can't even imagine uh, thinking that, you know, no one's equal. And I, I, you know, it's just, it's mind boggling to see the stuff going on in the news right now. It's frustrating for me to watch. Um, you know, I have, I've had uh, black teammates before and they're some of my best buddies. You know, I've, it's just, it's disgusting to see on the news what's going on. And it's just, it's overall sad. And, you know, the world needs to change for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm glad you were able to speak up about it because I know it's been big in our family and, uh, you know, we just want, want people to understand that, you know, hockey is a safe haven, uh, especially in the dressing room, right? doesn't matter if it's racism or bullying or whatever the case is. We just want people to be happy and, uh, more importantly, again, like I said, it's it's supposed to be a uh, it's a team sport, right? It's a community, it's a family. Exactly. So you know, tell give me and and speaking of family and community stuff like that, you know, what's a message? What's you know, tell me about the culture and how it's been created with your coaches and your players and Barry. Yeah, like you know, going into Barry, right away, I kind of realized how close the team was and how bad everyone everyone wanted to win. And it was no, it was nothing was about individual success in Barry. That's what I kind of realized right away. Um, you know, I think with Dale and Millsy and, you know, and, and Ford was general manager there, I think that they really laid down a good concrete the last few years, you know, because, you know, one of the best teammates I've ever had was Aiden Brown and he was an overager on Barry this year. And he always told me how, you know, this is what we kind of built throughout the years. And, you know, for a fourth year player next year, you know, my job is to go in there and maintain that culture. That's, you know, a winning environment all about the team. And every single day going to the rink, you, it was always a fun day and you're excited to go to the rink and bury. And that's something that as a hockey player where you're away from home and you can go there and have fun with the boys and get your mind off whatever's going out uh, outside of hockey. It's unbelievable. And that's uh, all you can ask for. If let's just say this hockey thing doesn't work out, what's next for Nick Porco? You know, like eventually you want to have a job. So have you, have you thought about that and kind of what you want to do? Yeah, you obviously have to think about it because you never know what happened. You know, there could be injuries or anything that could kind of, you know, uh, end your career. But yeah, my first, my, you know, my first mind thought is always to play hockey for as long as I can. Hockey's my 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 favorite thing to do, and it's something that I want to make a living out of one day. But yeah, like you know, the OHL gives you the school package. So you know, as soon as I stepped on the ice my first year, I got a very good school package. Which you know, if I have to use it one day, then, you know, I, you know, I save my, my parents and myself a lot of, uh, a lot of money, which is, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, I'm not really uh, sure what I'd really want to get into yet in school, but um, you know, something to think about uh, when that time comes. Who's the biggest jokester you've ever ran into playing the game? 
Oof, the biggest jokester. Um, honestly, maybe uh, maybe Aiden Brown. Aiden Brown was a funny guy. Like he he was really funny. He uh, he knew how to he knew how to you know get it, do pranks and stuff, but was never too much. It was always like you know to loosen up the dressing room. Never did it at the wrong times. So he was probably like the funniest kind of guy I ever played with. Um, there's a few of them though. There's a lot of funny guys out there, but uh, yeah, probably Aiden Brown. A little couple rapid fire questions for you. Um, coach famous saying like what's what, one of the coaches that you he said all the time is there anybody out there where they said the same thing over and over oof uh <laughs> i think that'd probably be warren reichel Reichel is one of my favorite coaches ever he was a great guy and uh you know for a little bit there we we said we had it there's a stretch in barry where we played with uh only it was like eight forwards for like i don't know how many games or so many injuries and as soon as you got over that over the red line it was just a loud rimmet every single time just to, you know, get on the, get on the pocket, you know, try to just wear down the team as fast as possible because we were down on bodies. But, yeah, you heard, of, you heard the word rimmet about uh, uh, maybe 100-plus times a period. So that was pretty funny. We used to joke around with that. Loudest coach you ever had? Warren Reichel. <laughs> Warren Reichel for sure. Once again, once again Reichs, was, Reichs was loud. He was uh, – yeah, he was a character back there, but – you know, one of the smartest hockey guys I've ever played for. You know, he's, he had the best interest for every single uh, player on the Barry Colts and anyone he's ever pretty much coached or, or was a general manager for. Who cuts the best video? Um, Chris, Lazary had, Chris Lazary was a very good video coach. He always made sure it was pretty professional. Good. Uh, Ran best practice. Best practice, um, probably uh, Troy Smith. Troy Smith ran a really good practice. Troy Smith or Todd Miller. Todd Miller ran a re really good practice too. So one of them were, were both very good uh, practice coaches. Um, you, know, they, you know, they pushed you and, and uh, you know, they paid attention to little details. So they're both very good. All right, last one. Longest end of game losing speech. The longest? Yep. I'd probably have to go. I I probably have to I probably have to give that to Troy Smith. I don't remember which game, but I remember there's there was a couple that year where where there were some long ones there. Um, but uh, I remember like even just a few of them were weren't even like, for example, like we 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 came back my first year in Saginaw. We were down six one, I believe, to Sarnia, and he'd always come in and he gave us a nice little speech on how you know this is not the worst thing that could happen. There's a lot of worst things that could happen in your life. And we ended up coming and winning the game. So he always had some pretty good speeches to kind of, you know, get you going and get you your mind back in the game. Great. Um, and again, listen, I want to thank you very much for, for, uh, for coming on to off the, off the puck hockey. It's our first broadcast and I, I stumbled through a few things, but uh, I'm glad that we, we got through it smooth, no internet problems. And I hope for the people that were watching today and for the people that are going to watch on YouTube that you subscribe to the off the puck channel, um, follow Nick, uh, Nick, uh, throw out your handles there, buddy on it, on the gram. Uh, I think that right now my Instagram is uh, Nick dot Porco. Uh, yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be awesome if you guys can follow me for sure.
Great. Well, listen, Nick, uh, like I said, I know from, from my family, uh, my wife, my daughter, my son, we, we love you and we, we miss you and we love your family and we wish you guys nothing but the best and just make sure you guys, you tune in tomorrow, maybe jump into the the stream on Graham and you can, uh, you guys can go yeah. back and forth and talk about the stories about how you tried to eat me out of house and home for, uh, for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, you know, you and Melissa are, are very good people and, you know, made my transition, uh, moving from home very easy. You know, it was probably, you know, honestly, the best year of my life. And, you know, I, I can't thank you guys enough for what you've done for me so far. And I miss you guys a lot. And hopefully, uh, you know, once uh, COVID's over and the season starts up again, uh, we could uh, connect and uh, go for dinner or something. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. Well, we'll have you back on. And again, thank you, everybody, for watching Off the Puck Hockey. We're going to do way more of these interviews down the line. Uh, we're going to have our podcasts, our YouTube channels up. We're going to be doing our uh, our coaching drills like we were in the past. And it's going to get uh, it's going to get pretty hectic here in the next few months. And hopefully by next week or two, I may have a, a surprise uh, guest or maybe even a, a partner in crime doing these interviews. So thanks again, Nick. And thanks to everybody who watches Off the Puck Hockey. Thanks, everybody.